Before we get going with this week's episode, a word from our friends at Chalkboard. Imagine an app that brings your sports betting group chat to life. An app that can link to your sports book so you can easily share your bets with a simple click while following the game through a live in-chat score banner that makes it feel like you're in the stadium. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? It's no longer the case with Chalkboard. Chalkboard has turned sports betting into a complete group experience. Compete against your friends for the top spot on the leaderboard and share your winning bets in the message board. Be the expert with Chalkboard. It's very easy. All you need to do, download the app from the App Store. Go in there. There's all sorts of different forums, but be sure to join the Odds Honest Truth Forum. Odds Honest Truth is also a podcast by In The Money Media. Producer Craig, Rich, they come out here every week. They give out plenty of winners all over the place, talking on all sorts of different sports. They have different guests on from time to time. It's something you definitely need to check out and subscribe to. Odds Honest Truth, not just the podcast, but again, the forum over on Chalkboard. It's free. Be sure to download it today from the App Store. Now on to episode 97 of the podcast. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Happy New Year. Today is Monday, January the 3rd, 2022. This is episode 97 of the podcast. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find it 15 different ways. And maybe it's more, maybe it's less than 15, but that just felt like a good number. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. If you're over on YouTube, search Bar Matt Bernier Show. You get this episode along with the 96 prior. This week's show is all about derby preps. And if you're new to the show, maybe you didn't catch what I did last year when we were doing this thing, but going to go through and rate all of the preps on a scale of 1 to 10 as far as the potential impact that I believe anyway the race could have on the Kentucky Derby itself. So that doesn't mean that because there may be good horses in certain races that I'm just going to guaranteed say I think it's a good race. If there are going to be horses that do things differently down the road, particularly they want to sprint, maybe they want to run on turf, whatever the case may be, it doesn't mean that just because it's a good race now that I'm going to give it a good grade or a good rating because if they're not really derby horses, what difference does it make to me? I'm looking for horses who could potentially impact the first Saturday in May, and I think we saw a few over, let's say, the uh, Christmas to New Year's break. We're going to have one from the fairgrounds, which was a pleasant surprise because now fairgrounds replays are over on YouTube. Big, big, big deal, in my opinion anyway. I at least get to show you some of that now. And again, those of you that are listening, maybe this is one that you want to check out head on over to the YouTube channel. You can watch this because I'm going to go through and talk over the replays of the Gunrunner Stakes. We're going to talk about the race from Oaklawn Park on New Year's Day, that being the Smarty Jones. We're going to talk about the race from Aqueduct on New Year's Day, that being the Jerome, and the race from New Year's Day at Santa Anita, the Sham. I think we saw some really nice racehorses over this period, and potentially a few anyway, that could have an impact on the Kentucky Derby. So we'll get into that. That's what this week's show is going to be about. A few things just ahead of us to get on your radar. Uh, it's been a, a while since I've had, since I've been comfortable with uh, giving out things for the weekend as far as picks and selections and things like that are concerned. Starting this Friday uh, on NBCSportsEdge.com, I will be basically doing a weekend stakes preview where I'll go through, I'll pick three or four stakes races coming up on Saturday and Sunday and write about them, give you a value line the whole nine yards. That'll be over weekly, every Friday, over on NBCSportsEdge.com. There will also be individual 
handicapping articles for big events throughout the course of the year. So uh, be sure to check that out along with, you know, if you're into hockey, I write that over there. If you're into the Premier League, I write that over there as well. If you're into college basketball, I give all those picks out over on Twitter. We're on a bit of a heater right now. The model is cooking with gas right now. But point being, if you're interested in opinions, and I get people that tweet me all the time, who do you like in this race? Sometimes I respond, sometimes I don't. Starting this Friday, January the whatever it'll be on Friday anyway. Let's see if I can do this on the fly. January the 7th. There will be an article on NBCSportsEdge.com previewing some stakes racing from this coming weekend, and that will be out every Friday for the rest of the year. Looking forward to getting back into that situation. Uh, The winter beard and the winter hair and all that, this will be gone shortly because I'll be down at the Pegasus World Cup for NBC at the end of the month, so be sure to stay tuned for that. And yes, I'll clean some things up here. I'll look a little bit better, but I'm I'm in full winter beard mode. It's uh, balmy 20 degrees in uh, Maine here on this Monday afternoon, so it it goes to work right now, but uh, for not much longer going to clean things up a little bit. There won't be any football this week. Uh, the COVID situation continues to be a difficult, it's a moving target where I don't want to sit here and, and throw out all these different caveats about this, that, and the other, not knowing who's going to play from week to week. Um, again, if you're looking for picks and things like that, I'm, I'm happy to share. But as far as this show is concerned, I don't think it really does us any good to go over things that are going to happen a week from now. We have no idea who's actually going to suit up for those games. So uh, that's why we won't do any of the football for this week. Maybe when we get into the postseason, uh, we won't have any choice but to talk about that sort of stuff. But neither here nor there. That's kind of what's on deck and on tap for the next few weeks anyway, just to get that on your radar. Uh, Let's dive into it, though. You're here to talk about racing and here. Oh, and the other thing, one last thing. New year. Want to make sure that this content is what you, the listeners and viewers, want to hear. So if there's something that I don't do, let me know. I'm open to questions, comments, critiques, whatever it may be. You can leave them beneath the video player on YouTube, or you can tweet me at Bernier underscore Matt, or, and maybe this becomes a segment, if you want to send in little clips. I know during the Derby and, and Breeders' Cup time, I've gone through and, and asked for you know, listener and viewer submissions for little video clips, and I throw that in there. If, if we want to do a Q&A that way, I'm open to that as well. I'm open to anything and everything. What do you want more of? What do you want less of? What do you want? just in general. You're going to let me know because I want to make sure that we're delivering the best content possible. So let me know either on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt, email bernier.matt89 at gmail.com or beneath the video player on YouTube. Anyway, business is out of the way. Let's dive into it. Go back to the day after Christmas, the Gunrunner Stakes from Fairgrounds. I think there's a good racehorse in this one. And happy new year indeed. A pleasant surprise. Twin Spires putting replays up on YouTube now. It's a bit of a game changer, wasn't it? We're never able to really put any kind of context with with words as far as some of these races, these prep races, or any races for that matter, from the fairgrounds or Churchill or anything like that. Look at this, the Gunrunner Stakes. This was not one of the New Year's Day races. This was the day after Christmas. Uh, I think this is a very, very good horse. This is Epicenter winning the Gunrunner. We're going to let the tape run. Epicenter's a horse that admittedly, Post-Breeders' Cup, I think, I know I'm guilty of it, but I think many people kind of check out a little bit. Um, This horse broke his maiden, I thought, really impressively at Churchill Downs at the end of November. And he comes back here in this spot, first time, two turns. You see, he was down on the inside. He broke well enough. He wasn't, you know, going gangbusters out of the gate, but I thought he broke finely enough. 
for him to be able to quickly angle out into the clear beneath Brian Hernandez Jr. and take up this kind of position, I think speaks volumes to this horse's ability. Opening quarter 24 and two, by no means are they setting land speed records, but you're going to see they pick things up in this second quarter. They go 47 and three for the half. And I thought it was a really nice move. Hernandez isn't pushing him to the lead, but the horse wants to go. He's not pulling, but he's naturally saying, sure, let me go on with it. And it's really not that much different than what you saw if you're able to go back and watch the maiden score, the, the second lifetime start. He just naturally has that kind of speed without really being asked. Rounding the far turn, this is when you're going to get the acid test for a couple of reasons. You're going to have Tejano Twist coming from the back of the pack. The black silks, red cap, makes this big menacing move. Keep in mind, his first time going after two turns, this was really going to be the test for him. But it looks like he's got a full head of steam. He doesn't flatten out entirely, Tejano Twist, but he's no match for Epicenter. When Hernandez shakes the reins, Epicenter levels off and kicks on. 87 buyer speed figure. I like the improvement. 64 in the debut where he showed speed and faded, comes back, breaks the maiden with an 80 buyer going a one-turn mile. Then he comes back here, earns an 87, and draws off and wins for fun. This is a good racehorse. If you, if you didn't know, as I'm guilty of, familiarize yourself with the name Epicenter. Asmussen has won basically everything there is to win but the Derby. I'm not going to go as far as to say he's going to win it this year with this horse, but Epicenter's legit. I think this is a very, very talented racehorse. I give this prep an 8 on a scale of 1 to 10. And it really has nothing to do with Tejano Twist or Surfer Dude or Kevin's Folly. I think Epicenter's a really, really good racehorse. He's by not this time. He's out of a candy ride mare. Distance isn't going to be an issue for him. It doesn't look like it anyway, especially with the way that he moves. I love that he's tactical. And I like that he does things on his own, but he doesn't do them aggressively. He's not some headstrong you know, maniac out there. And to be fair, let's rewind the tape back to the beginning. Epicenter wasn't the favorite in here. He was almost three to one. The favorite was Rocket Dog. Rocket Dog, the three, is wickedly rank early on to the point where Florent Drew, there's nothing he can do. Can't get the horse to relax. He pulls up. He wants to go up in and amongst the leaders early on. He's expended all of his energy here. That's a horse that doesn't know really what he's doing right now. That's nobody's fault. It's just he clearly needs to figure some stuff out. Epicenter's professional. He has that kind of that perfect running style where right now he's very comfortable pressing the pace, but he's pulling himself into the lead and he's not doing it because he's crazy. He's doing it because he's just naturally that talented. I think this is a very good racehorse. The fairgrounds has always gotten a bad rap and you know what, for a period of time, deservedly. So they weren't producing good derby prospects last year. That changed the path through, through Louisiana was one of the most productive as far as Louisville is concerned. If this horse is any indication epicenter and maybe rocket dog figures some things out, this is a very good racehorse. And I'm very, very intrigued to the point where I actually went and looked to see what he was in some of the future books. I believe I saw 40. That's, that's far too short for me to take right now on a horse at the beginning of January. If he's 40 in March, that may be a different story. This is a really good racehorse. I don't think he can get 40 to him in March. I think he's going to continue to take some steam here, assuming he stays healthy and sound. Uh, I'm, I'm very taken by this. I think this could be a really nice, nice racehorse. Good effort from Epicenter all around. I think Winchell and company, they've got another good one. This was the race named after one of their best, if not their best. And Gunrunner, 
they may have a really, really talented one here in Epicenter. And again, for those of you that, uh, you know, surprised like I was, Fairgrounds, Twin Spires, replays up on YouTube. Be sure to check that out as well. Now, again, I didn't anticipate this to be the case until I did a little bit more homework. Let's roll into the New Year's Day set of prep races. One from Oaklawn, one from Aqueduct, and one from Santa Anita. Smarty Jones Stakes from Oaklawn Park on New Year's Day. This is a point prep for the Derby that offers 10 points to the winner, four to the runner-up, two to the third-place finisher, and a single point to the fourth-place finisher. As has been the case or was the case last year, it's going to be the same deal this year. I'm only going to talk about the horses that I think actually warrant consideration from a Derby standpoint. Some of these horses could be good in other avenues down the road, but as far as this race is concerned, the only horse I'm interested in is the winner, and that's Dash Attack. So we're going to let the tape run. This is from Oaklawn Park's YouTube channel. Then on the inside, the number one, that's Dash Attack, the winner, trained by Kenny McPeak, making a second lifetime start, breaks slowly, and I thought all things considered, he collected himself pretty well. David Cohen's got the ride again. He's been a, he's been aboard for both of the career starts for the three-year-old son of Munnings. He's going to establish a position down on the inside behind a relatively hot pace in the grand scheme of things. They go 23 flat to the opening quarter, 46 and a piece to the opening half, going a mile at Oaklawn. Things did set up relatively well for this horse, but I really like the way that he brings himself into the race. He has to wait at a critical juncture. For those of you that are just listening, as we go into the far turn, you're going to note, or you're if you go back and watch the tape at any point, Cohen has to wait, 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 wait to find a bit of a seam because he's got a full head of steam in behind horses that are beginning to back up. He eventually swings the horse out to the six, seven path turning for home. And that's really when dash attack hits his best stride. Those of you watching along over on YouTube right now, you can see we're kind of getting to that point where Cohen's waiting to decide where am I going to go with this horse? He actually stops riding for a bit. Wait, wait, wait. Finally decides, you know what? The overland route is the most advantageous for us. I don't want to totally lose our head of steam. They swing him out to the outside, and this horse does his best running here. I thought all, all things considered, it was a good effort. The fig didn't come back overly fast. An 82 buyer speed figure, but visually, I like the way that he did it. There are concerns, though, or things that need to be acknowledged. Both of his wins have come at Oaklawn. Both of them have come over wet sealed tracks. The first was a good sealed track. This race was a sloppy sealed track. The rest of the field, I'm not overly impressed by. Uh, Barber Road is a horse that has run five times to date. We have a career best fig of 84. That came going one turn at Churchill Downs. I think the horse is nice, but just nice. Take a look at some of the other runners in here. Ignatius is 31 to 1. Uh, Cavett or Cavad, however you'd like to pronounce that. Perhaps you want to give him a slight upgrade in this race simply because he was the closest in attendance to the pace that fell apart. And he did the best at the end of the day. He finished fourth. But he's run 10 times. I kind of know what he is. I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's a nice horse. But there's a reason he was in for, for a $50,000 tag just a couple months back. So I thought this was a good effort from Dash Attack. The waters are certainly going to get deeper. But he's done nothing wrong in two lifetime starts. I'd love to see what happens when we get him over a fast track. And I'd be lying if I said I, I looked at this pedigree and just immediately thought that longer was going to be better for him. He's by Munnings out of a hard-spun mare, but at the same time, with the way that he finished, I think he at least deserves to continue to merit consideration for this path to the Derby. I'll be very curious to see what the next step is. I would assume you keep him at home, run him in whatever the next race is, whether it's the Rebel or one of those spots. But through two starts, I think this is a pretty nice little horse. From an overall prep rating, 
because I don't think anybody else behind him is truly a derby threat. I'm only going to give it a five, and it's only a five because of him. I, I do think he's a nice horse. He needs to improve by leaps and bounds. But guess what? It's that time of year, early on, three-year-olds. There's nothing saying or suggesting that this horse won't be up close to a 100 by the first Saturday in May. I think Dash Attack is a name to keep an eye on. By no means is he the leader in the clubhouse, but I do think he's a pretty nice little racehorse from what we've seen in two starts for Kenny McPeak. McPeak's barn continues to just roll out quality three-year-olds at this point. Uh, we'll find out in time, but I'm going to give the Smarty Jones a five on a scale of one to 10 from a Derby prep rating, and it's only a five because of this horse. The Jerome from a foggy, sloppy aqueduct on New Year's Day. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. One-turn races, as far as Kentucky Derby prep races, don't do anything at all for me. But, but given the time of year, it's a stepping stone. These horses are still stretching out and figuring things out in the grand scheme of things. So I'm not going to totally hold that part against this group. What I will hold against them is that it was just a slow group of horses. Uh, we're going to let it roll, the entirety of it. It's going to be an interesting race to watch if you're over on YouTube or you've seen the replay. Uh, this is from Naira's YouTube channel. The fog was bad enough that you get, for the most part, a head-on shot until we hit probably the eighth pole, and then it goes back to the pan that you're used to seeing anyway, as far as watching tape is concerned. Uh, I can just talk everything through it, though. Corvassier ends up taking up a beautiful position beneath Jose Ortiz. You've got a forward pressing stalking spot early on, but eventually it turns into a pace pressing position in the clear three, four path throughout the horse is moving really comfortably. And there's some intrigue with Corvassier. You take a look at the pedigree and what they paid for this horse and the connections, Kelly Breen. We know he knows how to get a, a horse ready to go for a big race. Belmont stakes winning trainer. This is a son of Tappet out of take charge. Brandy who won the breeders cup juvenile Phillies a number of years ago. They paid $600,000 for this horse. So, there are certainly high expectations. The concern is that the horse just isn't overly fast right now. And if you're watching along, you can see Jose's going to start to push along a little bit. And when the real running begins, that's when this horse kind of takes off. I like the way that he levels off and draws off at the end. Jose wraps him up for that final, you know, call it 50 yards of the race. And the gallop out was solid enough. The improvement for this horse has been in the fashion that I like. Incremental improvements through all five lifetime starts has proven himself at a mile and an eighth. There are many feathers in this horse's cap already. The problem is the incremental improvements have not been enough for me to look at him right now and think that he's a derby horse. Uh, you've gone from a 42 to a 57 to a 62 to a 69 to a 73. Beautiful progression. I like that. It's just, we're talking about a horse that's not fast. Now the, let's assume we get another five to seven point improvement in the next start, wherever that may end up being. You get up into an 80 February. You're, you're still in decent shape, but you are, I would say running out of time to make the improvements. I would deem necessary to really be considered a Kentucky Derby prospect. The kind of horse that, in February, I think you really should be in that mid to high 80 range, assuming you're going to continue to improve. So maybe he does take another step forward. Maybe he jumps up into the low 80s in his next start, and then he jumps up into the low 90s in his subsequent start. I would assume they're going to keep him in New York. We've talked about it in the past. The New York path in recent years has not been good into Louisville. But point being, this is a horse who, based on the pedigree, the distance shouldn't be an issue, is in fully capable hands as far as the outfit is concerned. 
And he's really done nothing wrong. He's never been out of the money in five lifetime starts in the exacta in four. He's a perfect two for two at Aqueduct and two turns is an issue for him. At face value, when I lay all that out, there are things to like. But then when you look at the numbers, he's just slow right now. Right now, I will give this prep a two on a scale of one to 10. This horse is interesting to me. He needs to improve and improve relatively quickly. But I like that. I like that he hasn't taken a backward step just yet. I like that he's got tactical speed. Let's see what happens when better horses show up and he really needs to prove that he belongs. Corvassier, a 73 buyer winning the Jerome. He gets 10 points. Again, there are, in theory, things to like. He just needs to be going to have to pick up the pace here pretty quick. Incremental improvement from a 73. That might not be enough for me to really start buying into you as a derby prospect. Maybe this will be a horse down the road that is a player in this three-year-old division. But right now, I just have a hard time taking him too seriously anyway, considering you had two-year-olds last year. And I say last year, it was only two, three months ago, but earning low to mid-90 buyers. That, you know, you, you got a long way to go if you're a horse like Corvassier. But the pedigree is there, the connections are there, and he's proven himself in multiple configurations. Maybe one to keep an eye on, but as far as the Jerome itself is concerned, only going to give it a two on the Derby prep scale. To me, this was the most impressive Derby prep of the New Year's Day slate. This is the sham from Santa Anita, won by Newgrange, trained by Bob Baffert. That's a key component to this entire triple crown, well, not even triple crown, but specifically Derby prep run. Because at the moment, as things stand, Baffert's horses are ineligible to earn points toward the Kentucky Derby. So we're going to let the tape run. This is from Santa Anita's YouTube channel. You're going to note Newgrange goes right to the front. And this is a race that doesn't feature any pace whatsoever. They're going to go nearly 49 seconds to the half mile. But I love the way that Newgrange moves. He goes right to the front, clears his stable mate, Rockefeller. You're going to see a couple other runners in here that are fancied as far as the betting was concerned. McKinnon's down on the inside, but I'm going to be honest with you. A, I'm not sure how good I think he is. And B, I think he's a grass horse and not a dirt horse. But the other main player in here is Oviat Class and the green silks in between horses at the back of the pack. Given how slow this pace is, both of those horses, I think, deserve, I won't say mulligans, but be kind when you're assessing their their races here because they're never going to get close to Newgrange. But the way this race was run, they really never had a chance. You take a look, though, a horse like Rockefeller has every opportunity in this race, and he just can't keep up with Newgrange. I think that's for two reasons. A, I think Newgrange is just a better horse. And B, I don't think Rockefeller, despite his pedigree, really wants to go two turns. I think he's going to end up being a one-turn animal. They're going into the far turn now. Johnny V lets Newgrange out a notch. Keep in mind, they, again, they went 49 seconds to the half at Santa Anita. He should have plenty left in the tank. But I really, really like the way this horse moves. He had his ears up for much of the early portion, which, again, understandably so. He was just out there galloping. But the way that he finishes this race is really impressive to me. And I, I don't want to build expectations, but he gives off some authentic vibes to me. Not in the fact that he's a goofball and authentic didn't know what the hell he was doing early on, but the way in which he moves. He just, to me, I'm not a bloodstock agent. I'm not someone who knows, you know, a big horse from a little horse, unless it's obvious like a Dortmund all those years ago. I'm going to rerun re the tape, bring it back to the top of the stretch as well, because we're going to talk about Oviat class momentarily. But I just, I like everything about Newgrange. I think he's a really nice horse. 
again, the, the, the wild card in all of this is right now he doesn't have any points toward the Derby because he's in Baffert's barn. Um, I, I don't think anything funny is going on here with these horses. Get out ahead of that. I think Baffert's got good horses, and I think these horses are two of the talented ones. Uh, Rockefeller, again, I, abundantly clear. I just don't think he's – I don't think he's going to be the kind of horse that wants to go long. I think he's going to be better seven-eighths, one-turn mile. I could see him being a pet day mile type. Newgrange, though, I think is a legitimate Kentucky Derby kind of horse. I just don't know what if, – if you're involved with him, I don't know what the plan is going forward unless you think something is going to change between – Churchill Downs and Baffert at some point, and it's okay right now with the 10 point races, because let's be honest, the the 10 point races aren't the end all be all the points go up exponentially over the next few months. There's going to come a point where there's going to need to be a decision made on, are we going to just kind of ride this thing out and know that we may not be able to run in the Derby. You can still run in the Preakness unless something changes with, with the rulings and lawsuits and this, that, and the other. But as far as, the here and now is concerned, you know, to me, this is one of the more impressive three-year-old prospects that I've seen. And he doesn't have any points and he's ineligible right now to run in the Derby simply because of his trainer. Um, let's talk about Oviat class. Who's trying to rally from the back of the pack on the outside of McKinnon. For those of you that are watching, he tips out four or five path turning for home and he finishes decently enough. I had mentioned at the end of last year as a two-year-old, he reminded me a little bit of Texas Red. He needs some pace, but I like the way that he finishes, and he's got to get out of California. I maintain he's got to get out of California. I like the way that he finishes. I'd be lying if I said, and, and again, he didn't have a fair shake in this race because of the way the race was run. I'd be lying if I said I didn't, I wasn't starting to wonder a little bit about how good he actually was. Because now we've gone what, through five races in his career? Six races. He started on turf. I'm not going to hold that against him. He's had five dirt races. He's earned buyers of 70, 80, 79, 78, and 83. He's really not improving much. Now, personally, if I'm Keith DeSormo, I'm getting him out of town. I'm sending him to the fairgrounds for his next race. And that's really going to be where the rubber meets the road. If he doesn't improve, if he doesn't jump up, even if he doesn't win the race, but if he doesn't improve by a, a pretty fair bit, I think you got to start wondering how good is he? I, he deserves another shot. He's never really done anything wrong, but to be fair, he's really never done anything brilliantly either. And you're always, always, always going to be at the mercy of pace and trip with a horse that has no early foot whatsoever. Again, this race was run in a fashion that's not going to suit him. And maybe he is just going to be the ultimate, get him out to a mile and a quarter, and he's going to be fine. I actually wrote in my trip note in a DRF's formulator product, I initially had called him Texas Red. I'm wondering if maybe he's a little more keen ice, which isn't a bad thing. Keen ice was a horse that I probably didn't give enough credit to. He was a very talented horse. He just didn't have any speed. I'm going to give this race from a prep standpoint, and I'm going to let the tape run one more time from the top of the lane. I'm giving it a seven. Because I believe in Newgrange. I think he's good. I think the pedigree is there. I think there's reason to believe this could be a Kentucky Derby type. But the wild card for all of these prep races for the next couple months, again, unless something changes, is how many of them are going to stay in Baffert's barn? Will Baffert eventually be allowed to run at Churchill Downs for the Kentucky Derby? Will something change there? Because if it doesn't, 
you're talking about a legitimate prospect here that that will need to probably be moved to another barn. McKinnon, I think he's a turf horse, not a dirt horse. Oviat class, get him out of California, send him to Louisiana, run at the fairgrounds, get him as much ground as possible. And if he doesn't start to run faster, then question it entirely. And Rockefeller, I think, is a one-turn horse who also, worth noting, he's paired up career buyer tops of 83. If they can get him a one-turn race here in the next little bit, I think he's probably going to pop. But I don't think it'll be at Santa Anita. Let me know what your thoughts are about any of the derby preps that we have discussed here on this week's show and what we're looking forward to down the road. If there are any other horses that you have any thoughts on, questions, comments, whatever it may be, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. There you have it. That will do it for this week's show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, whatever it may be, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt, those thoughts could include your thoughts about any of those derby prep races that we just went over. Uh, any other horses that you think are intriguing? Any Anything, really, in general. Fire away. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, again, don't forget, coming up on Friday, I will have a weekend stakes preview over on NBCSportsEdge.com. Looking forward to that. And uh, as we inch closer and closer to the Pegasus World Cup, that should be a good time, boy. And I know I didn't talk about Flightline. What else needs to be said about it? I will admit, when I, the last pod of 21, talking about the five best of 22, I did. I omitted him, and I laid out the, the reasoning why. Um, part of me still says I want to see him come back and run again, because when you run like that, boy, how much how much does that take out of you? But holy smokes, what a racehorse. Um, a... Purely from a talent standpoint, maybe he won't end up with all the credentials of the accolades, but boy, from a talent standpoint, I don't, I don't know how you could argue with what he's done in those three. He, he was phenomenal, phenomenal winning the Malibu. And hopefully we see him again soon, uh, sooner than five months, but uh, time will tell. Let me know. You got any questions, thoughts, concerns, whatever it may be, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt, or email bernier.matt89 at gmail.com that's going to do it for episode 97 best of luck however you play whatever you play and wherever you play until next monday we'll chat again soon this has been the matt bernier show